0: out to Jesus. Well, praise the Lord. Give Jesus a big hand this morning. He is worthy of our praise. Give your neighbor a high five, tell him you're looking good, and you may be seated. Well, turn your Bibles this morning to 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5. Great to have Pastor Monty with us, leading worship this morning. He was our worship pastor. Oh, 10, 12 years ago, and uh, we're honored to have him back with us. Pastor Nick's taking the weekend off, so uh, anyway, great to have you. First Peter chapter 5, uh, I fell to the Lord to stay in a series that I've been doing called Voices. Usually on Mother's Day, I have something that's specific for moms, but today, not only being specific for moms, this is going to help everybody, because the Bible says, if uh, will teach us broadly that if we listen to the right voice, I mean, know life's going to work? But if we let the wrong voices speak into our ear, we'll end up in a ditch. Make your way to 1 Peter chapter 5. As you go in there, I do have some jokes about moms for Mother's Day. Here's one for your favorite mother-in-law. A a big game hunter went on safari with his wife and mother-in-law. One evening while he was deep in the jungle, his wife woke up to find her mother gone. Rushing to her husband, she insisted on them both trying to find her mom. The hunter picked up his rifle and started looking for her. In a clearing not far from the camp, they came upon a chilling sight. The mother-in-law was backed up against a thick, impenetrable bush, and a large male lion stood facing her. The wife cried, What are we going to do? The husband said, Nothing. The lion got himself into this mess. Let him get himself out of it. Here's one about me, so imagine me in this one, my mom. A mother went to wake her son for church one Sunday morning. She knocked on his door, and he said, I'm not going. Why not, asked his mother. I'll give you two reasons. Number one, they don't like me, and number two, I don't like them. His mother replied, I'll give you two good reasons that you will go to church. Number one, you're 57 years old, and number two, you are the pastor. Two kids went into their parents' bathroom and noticed the bathroom scale in the corner. And the older brother said, whatever you do, don't step on it. Why not? asked the little brother. Because every time mom does, she lets out an awful scream. (laughs) (laughs) This is fun. I don't do this very often. (laughs) Little Johnny watched, fascinated as his mother gently rubbed cold cream on her face. Why are you rubbing cold cream on your face, mommy? he asked. To make myself beautiful, said his mother. A few minutes later, she began removing the cream with the tissue. What's the matter, said little Johnny? Are you giving up? <laughs> what I'm trying to do is make room for more people that are coming. Our chairs are a little tight, so if I've offended you already, that's... It was a joke, okay? Because I'm talking this morning about the voice of offense. I don't feel that went quite as well as I hoped it would. First Peter... Chapter 5, the wrong voice, on a serious note. Last week we began talking about the wrong voices that speak to us. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, be alert and sober-minded. Which simply means there needs to be, in our lives, an ability to examine what's going on around us. And not just assume that it's just kind of happening, whatever will be, will be. But there could be spiritual forces at work. The Bible says your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, the context, of course, Christians are being persecuted. And what's happening is the force behind the persecution is the enemy, and he's out to take Christians out. And the Bible says in verse 9, our strategy is we're to recognize this, but we're to resist him. To resist him as we are standing firm in our faith. Now, I use this idea of the devil's voice, and I don't mean a literal voice, but I'm talking about the way Satan would influence our mind. In the bond of naturalism that believes there are no supernatural forces, everything can be explained from what we can see and put under the microscope. But biblically, there are forces outside of the natural world at work. And somehow the Bible will teach us, as we'll see today, that, that Satan can whisper things in our ears. He can speak to us. He can, call, he can affect our thought life. Uh, impressions in our mind. Uh, Last week we talked about how Satan can speak to us with lies. You remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira, how somehow it was Satan had prompted him to lie. Uh, We also learned last week about Satan's voice of temptation. We went back and saw how Eve was tricked and trapped and saw how the tempter works and how we think about temptation. I want to continue it this morning, the wrong voice part two, and talk about the voice of accusation and the voice of offense. So let's explore this together today. Revelation chapter 12, the voice of accusation. The scripture says the ancient serpent called the devil and Satan. So hearkening back to the same serpent that caused Adam and Eve to fall away from God, this serpent, the devil and Satan, not some figure of mythology, not some some abstract force of evil, uh, for the unintelligent, but a real spiritual being, a, a spiritual being that has great power. He was thrown down to the earth. And verse 10 says, I heard a loud voice in heaven. And this is projecting at some point in the future. Now the salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come. And notice this next phrase. And I want you to say it with me. For the accuser of the brothers, or the brethren, broadly it's referring to all believers, The accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, and he accuses them day and night before God. Don't you think about this? It's the same picture that the book of Job opens with, that somehow Satan is able to know what's going on on the earth, but somehow have an audience with God. And when he goes before God, the Bible says he accuses us. And what is he accusing us? It's very clear. He's accusing us to God of our failures, of our shortcomings, of our sins, of the things that we've done wrong. Satan led the way when he fell from heaven and he's basically saying this, look at John Miller, you know, look at, look at Jason, look at Tom, look at Sue, look at George, look at what they're doing. And he's almost as if he's pointing our faults out to God. Well, not only does Satan point out our faults and failures to God, but how many know Satan accuses us as well? How many know when we mess up, when we make mistakes, there is a voice of condemnation, there's a voice of shame, there is the accuser's voice. If you've been a Christian any length of time and, 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 and if you try to walk with God and you have a particular sin that you stumble with, and most believers do, most people when they come to Christ and generally surrender their lives to Christ. And how many know there's a difference between just going to church and surrendering your life to Christ? To be born again, to be saved, defines a specific moment in time. For me, it was August fifteenth, nineteen 1976. Raised in church all my life. It didn't take... But at that point in time, I realized my need for God and I surrendered my life to follow Christ. There were some struggles that I had in my life that just left. I mean, no longer that I have the desire. Others hung on a while, but some I struggle with to this day. And it's those that I struggle with to this day that the voice of the accuser is always there. Satan's whisper, it's like when he tries to get you to do it, it's, it's always so appealing, it's always going to be so good, it's going to make you happy, you deserve it, nobody else will know, whatever the reason is, but as soon as you do it, rather than the happiness that he promised, it's shame, it's condemnation, it's guilt, it's this voice of the accuser. And that's what I'm talking about the, this morning in this first point. This voice makes us feel worthless and ashamed. Satan will whisper things in our ears like this, What you did was so bad, you don't deserve forgiveness. What you did was so bad, you don't deserve God's forgiveness. I had him whisper that line to my ear probably the first 10, 15 years of my Christian life. Something that I had done in my late teenage years before becoming a Christian. I I, I just felt that it was so horrible, it was so bad, it was so hideous, that it was no way God could forgive that. And I almost found myself sometimes almost trying to earn God's favor. Are you with me? Because of the memory... Of what was so bad. See, we all have things. Maybe you feel like, you know, I'm a horrible person. I've had multiple divorces. I've, I, 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 I've had an abortion. I've had several abortions. I, whatever. You just go down there. I have a criminal record. I raped someone. I murdered someone. You know, I mean, I, I've done things that, that are just horrible. I've abused a child. I mean, there's things, and the devil is right there. And can I suggest, when he's, when he's bringing condemnation for these past things that we've done wrong, and saying we don't deserve forgiveness... It's almost as if we should converse with Him like Jesus did. You remember the 40-day temptation? Three times Jesus said it is written. It's almost like we need to say, you know, you're right. I don't deserve to be forgiven. But the Bible says Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Come on. I'm saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God, not by works, lest any should boast. That my relationship with God is not performance-based. That God has adopted me into his family. Before I was born, he loved me. The Bible says, while I was, we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, Jesus didn't begin to love me when I cleaned my act up. Come on. He loved me and began to woo me to him. And because I love him, I begin with the help of the Holy Spirit to clean myself up. But he beats us up with this. Maybe this voice whispers to you, God may forgive you, but you'll always be a second-class Christian. You don't deserve to sit on the front row. You don't deserve to teach a class. You're not worthy, come on, to be on the platform and lead worship. Even though God's given you a wonderful voice, the ability to play instruments, and we welcome you, this voice says you're not worthy because what you did was so bad, it has, it has permanently put you in second class. On your resume as a Christian, you will always have a felony, and that will always exclude you from certain jobs. Child abusers are not allowed to work with children at any point in times in the future and any sin that the Christian commits, the big ones, keep you out of some forefront, or some place of, of ministry and honor in God's kingdom. I would suggest to you when you have these thoughts that you let the truth settle in your mind. First Timothy chapter 1.15, Paul the apostle, the one who in the name of religion was killing Christians, listen now, he was persecuting the church. He said this. He said, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them all. He went on to say, but God had mercy on me. Now I want to tell you, you may feel like you're the worst of all, but God used that guy, Paul the Apostle, to write two-thirds of the New Testament. God used Paul the Apostle to bring the gospel to the Gentile world, which is any non-Jewish person. That's us. We're here today because of the ministry of a man that used to kill Christians and drag children out of their homes unless mom and dad would deny Christ. And I want to tell you, my friends, if the devil tells you because of what you have done in the past, you are unqualified for any work in God's kingdom, he is a liar. And, and what do you tell a liar? You remember from last week? Come on, hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more. Now, uh, let me go deeper with this. We confuse conviction of the Holy Spirit with condemnation of the devil. Let me tell you how to tell the difference. First of all, when we do wrong, there is an awareness. God's placed it all. Natural law, the natural theology suggests that our conscience, until it is corrupted and hardened, is an indicator of right and wrong. It is refined by the Holy Spirit in the Word of God. But but, but conviction of the Holy Spirit, when you do something wrong and, and, and you're convicted, conviction, how many know guilt is a good thing? I mean, it's God's warning sign that you're headed in the wrong direction. It's that feeling, well, that's a gift from God. But conviction of the Holy Spirit will always point you to the cross. It will always woo you to bring your sin, your offense to the cross of Christ, the injustice that you did, the hurt that you caused, to bring it to the cross where you can find God's mercy. Condemnation from the devil, though, will just beat you up and make you feel bad. It will try to make you be a performance-driven Christian trying to earn God's favor. Listen, the Bible says all our righteousness is as filthy rags. That's the, that's the devil's tools. It's what he uses in his toolbox to, to beat us up. And I'm fully convinced from experience in life as well as dealing with Christians is that we, 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 we don't understand. The reason Satan is able to use this voice of accusation so forcefully and make us feel condemned is because we don't understand what forgiveness really means. I want you to give me just a second, because how many can say, Pastor, I I know that voice. It speaks in my ear quite often. Yeah, that voice of accusation. Here's what the Bible says about forgiveness. Psalm 103, God does not treat us as our sins deserve. Now, stop right there just a minute. I understand that one day we're all going to stand before God on judgment day. Heaven is real. Hell is real. That's why Jesus died for us, so our sins could be forgiven. Come on. So, So, a holy God could could receive us because it was the blood of Christ that makes us righteous because our trust. He paid the price for us. He took our place. I understand there's a judgment coming one day, but for the believer that appeals to God's mercy, for the person that asks for God's forgiveness, the Bible says God does not treat us as our sins deserve. Instead of justice that's deserved, God gives mercy. Come on. He is a forgiving, kind, gracious God. But listen to this next phrase. As high as the heavens are above the earth... So great is His love for those who fear Him. I remember when my kids were little and they would do this. Of course, when my kids were little, we'd sing the Barney song, you know, and that kind of, I love you, you know, you love me. We're a happy family. They outgrow that. But we also used to say this, I love you, Daddy, as big as that tree. And I'd say, well, I love you as big as the sky. And then Rebecca would say, "Uh, I love you as big as all the trees in the whole world. Well, the Bible says God's love for us. If you're laying on the grass, looking up in the air on a still night, no lights around, the stars are as bright as they can be, the farthest star, hundreds and hundreds of thousands, millions of miles away, God says, that's how much I love you. Put the Hubble telescope out there. Find the farthest star in the universe. And that's only the starting place for the depth of love that I have for you. But listen to what it says now about our sins. As far as the east is from the west, now, here's where that little squiggly sign in math, infinity. East, not in the circumference, not going around the earth, but if you just take a straight line and go as far as you can go into infinity, and you take that's your sins or that direction, and God and you are this direction, the east is from the west, it is, it is an impossible number. It is an infinite number. And basically what it means is, God has taken your sins away from you. God has removed them from you. And literally, if we take the Bible at face value, the devil condemns us with shame because of what we did wrong, and we bring it back to God again, and it's almost like God saying, what's he talking about? I have removed those sins. I have separated them. I didn't erase those sins. You know, when we think of throwing something in the trash, it's like the computer, you know? You put it in the trash bin, but guess what? You can dig it out of the trash. You can find it. You can go in that thing. You can use your backups. You can get that thing back. But when God forgives, it's like a dry erase board, you know, a chalkboard. When it's written and it's erased. And God does not hold your sins against you any longer. And I want you to hear me this morning. I feel by the hand of the Lord. I almost didn't talk about accusation. I wanted to spend most of my time on offense. But I just felt by the Holy Spirit that there was going to be a lot of us that are just beat up by the devil with condemnation and shame. And I wanted to take just a minute this morning and put our foot on his head. I mean, the Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And I want to encourage you today to put some faith with what I'm saying right now. That you're heavenly, you can lift up your head as a Christian. You're not a second-class person as a believer. Come on. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. How many believe that this morning? I want to do this. I've done it in all the services for many people. But before we go to the next point, I'd like to pray for you if you're here today. And if you live under shame and condemnation of your past... And if the devil tries to make you feel like a second-class citizen, could we just today put an end to that? Could we just today unite our faith with yours and you in a very pointed, deliberate way put your faith in 1 John 1, 9 that it said, if I confess my sins, come on, he is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I want to pray for you. Just right in your chair. If it's you this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm tired of him beat me up with shame and condemnation. I want you to just stand right where you are. Just stand. Come on, just stand right where you are. No embarrassment. You don't have to say a thing. But if you fight shame and condemnation, we're just going to pray. Come on, just stand right now. We're going to pray over you right now. And we're going to pray that the power of Christ will just break this off of you. Come on Minnie, minute. Just stand right now. Say, I'm tired of listening to his voice. And you're standing, recognize that Satan is lying to me. And I'm not going to give place to the lie any longer. But by faith, I believe that Jesus has taken my sins away. He has removed them. And I believe it today. And I am just justified because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. So hit the road, Jack. I'm not listening to you anymore. I am free because of Christ. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. Let this be a mark of faith when those thoughts perhaps invade your mind again. Now let's take a few minutes and look at this second one, the voice of offense. In my opinion, this is one of Satan's favorite tools in his toolbox. The voice of offense means to be offended, means to be hurt or angry because of what someone has done to me. Now, it doesn't mean that they did it on purpose, though they could have. It could be on purpose, could be accidental. Maybe they really did it, maybe they didn't. Maybe just somebody they told you they did it. But there's an offense that can carry through generations. Maybe an injustice was done to your family my family in World War II my grandparents on my mom's side lived in the Baltic state of Latvia when the Russians and were going crazy and Germans in war and everything they were driven from their homeland they left their farm they left hundreds of acres of land and jobs and two children and came to America to start over working in a turkey farm with nothing and if you're not careful you can look back at yesterday's injustices and carry the offense of the past for you the rest of your life so Offenses are something all of us relate to. Now, in this word in the Bible, the Greek word is called scandalon. John Bevere calls it the bait of Satan. And an offense that causes you to get angry and stay angry. An offense that causes you to get hurt and stay hurt. An offense that causes you to break away. And this is my concern from other Christian people, from family members, from people that you care about. an offense gets in, it becomes a wall, it becomes a wedge. And for people that we once loved, now we hate. It is the devil's tool. It is the bait of Satan. It is a way that he uses to trap us every day of our life. We have opportunity to get offended. Now, Proverbs 18 says this, An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. I want you to think of somebody's house that not only has deadbolts on it, but, I mean, this house has those bars. You know, you put bars over the windows and bars over the doors and storm windows. And I tell you, buddy, you can't even... Santa couldn't even get down the chimney in that house. I mean, you cannot get in. There's no key that will fit that lock. It's only open from the inside. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. That friend could be a pastor. It could be a spouse. It could be a child. It could be a former employee, it could be your best friend, your BFF, but when somebody gets offended, it's harder to win back than a fortified city. An argument separates friends like a gate locked with bars. The commentator George Will, he writes often in our paper, a brilliant man, he said, taking offense has become America's national pastime. Taking offense, America's national pastime. When we encounter ideas or practices that annoy us, we get offended. And our politicians use this to pit us against each other. Come on. You know, you don't hear people. The, the racial issues in America today, I wish we could hear some national leaders call for us to forgive one another. Come on. I wish we could hear national leaders in the race debate to call us to go forwards and love each other and do acts of kindness. Come on. But it's almost like everything pulls me backwards. A football team named the Redskins, I've followed it since it came up. Uh, they were supposed to change the name because it offended people, but for months, nobody said, I'm offended by it. But somebody kept bringing it up, and finally they found a tribe of Indians, and and it'll be pushed forwards in America. Condoleezza Rice, one of the most brilliant people in America today. She was our uh, Secretary of State, an African-American woman. You would think that she would be in demand everywhere, but because she's a conservative, she's on the bad side, she's dropped from being able to speak because it might offend somebody. The most bizarre one I've heard, as of late, is a news headline says, "You're a racist if you don't like Mexican food." It is that stupid. And I'll tell you, friend, it is the bait of Satan in our culture. Now, now listen, do bad things happen? Absolutely. Should things be addressed? Absolutely. Were the comments by the the coach there and the Clippers, were they wrong? Were they right? Well, absolutely it was wrong. But listen, in America today, we don't want to just live in the past. We don't want to get behind the bars and live our whole life because Satan will control us behind those bars. Now, I want to explore this, and I'm not going to talk about the world. Listen, it's hard enough for me to get along with my brothers and sisters and my family. Let's forget the world just a second, but let's talk about offenses that we get with other Christians. Hey, I've offended a lot of people in my time. I'm just trying to be a nice guy pastor. guy walking around the hall one day had his shirt unbuttoned about there, trying to be real cool, big chest, working out, hair showing everywhere. And I said, man, that's not cool. Button up your shirt, please. That's not modest. Those hairs in his little chest just sticking out like that at me. An offense Satan can use to manipulate you like a puppet. Do you know Satan used an offense to cause a man to betray the Son of God to be killed? Now, it didn't happen like that. Satan worked it for a season. He, he nurtured the love of money in Judas's heart. But look what happened. Matthew 26, Jesus is shortly before he's been crucified... He's having a meal, and a woman comes in with an alabaster jar of expensive perfume and pours it on his head. She was trying to do something kind. It's like if you wanted to buy someone a gift or do something nice for somebody. She was doing that. Well, verse 8, the disciples became indignant and said, what a waste. See, this was very expensive perfume. Some believed it was as high as a year's wages. So imagine if you make 50000 a year, you put $50,000 in a bottle, 12-ounce bottle, and pour it out on the floor on somebody, and they wipe it up, and it's gone. They were in. What a waste! It could have been sold for a high price and money given to the poor. Now, if they were right, Jesus could have agreed and there'd been no problem. But the problem was they were wrong, and Jesus told the truth. And look what happened. Jesus replied, "Why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? She poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial." And Jesus said this: "Wherever the good news is preached, in Texar County, Texas, two thousand years after the event." Jesus said this. Jesus said, what, uh, what this, uh, Jesus said, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed, just like we're doing today. Now look at this odd verse, verse 14. Then Judas Iscariot went to the leading priest and said, How much will you pay me to betray Jesus? Isn't that the oddest thing? In this story about this wonderful thing happening to Jesus, this stuff rising up within Judas's heart and now he's going to betray Christ. How could he do that? He was offended. And because he didn't deal with the offense quickly, the next verse says, from that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. So it didn't go away. Satan, once he gets a hook, it's like offense is the bait of Satan. It's like the minnow swimming in the water. It's the worm, it's the cricket that's dropped in the water. And once you get hooked and the line is tight, he can control you. And that's exactly what was happening. Judas got offended because Jesus touched his idol of money. Judas was the treasurer of the church. The Bible says he used to steal what was in it. And when Jesus rebuked him, he got offended. And when he got offended, my friend, he did the most bizarre thing any person could ever do. Now, John 13, it goes further in the story. This is for sure the Passover. During supper time. and notice this phrase, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray him. Now, remember when I told you at the first of the message the devil has a voice? And it's not just, you know, a psychotic voice, you know, that they give drugs to. But, but in this veil of naturalism, somehow Satan pierces through, and he's now, the Bible says, putting into the heart of Judas. Judas is making a choice now. We're not, you know, robots. He's making a choice. Now, translators uh, translate that, that phrase this way. Satan whispered into the ear of Judas... Satan whispered into Judas' mind, the devil caused Judas to think. And I want to tell you, my friends, he wants to do the same thing with you and I when we get offended. He wants us to lash out, to pull a gun, to say, I quit, to say, I hate you, to unfriend you on Facebook. He will do something because he wants to destroy relationships that God has put together. Christians get offended all the time. We get offended over money. We get offended over broken promises. I get offended if you gossip about me and I hear about it, even if it's true. I get offended over Facebook posts. And here's a weird thing. I get offended if I'm your friend and you're offended. All you have to do is bit mad at me. or Yeah, you're mad at me, and if you're his friend, then you're mad at me too. And Satan is doing this. Go! 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 The thief comes to And it's the door of offense. I'll tell you a deep offense I had in my life many, many years ago. I was on my way to be a professional tambourine player. True story. I had visions of being on American Idol. Big tambourine. Loud, noisy. It disappeared one day. I just, I don't know what happened to it. But years later, we used to have a leak in our roof right over there. And someone threw that tambourine in the hole in that roof. And when we replaced the ceiling several years ago, it fell out to the floor. I have been told that that man, the former worship pastor of this church, was the one that threw my tambourine there. He denied it last night when I asked him. But I have people that love me. They have given me tambourines. Keep the beat with Jesus. And it does not say in your office when you're by yourself. It just says keep the beat with Jesus. I had another friend that loves me, oh, like a brother. My green tambourine. It disappeared too. It was returned to me, though, with this note. I found this in Pastor Nick's office. I don't know if today is a coincidence or not. It looks like he's at it again. And this is the friend that loves me. Her name is Abby. She's gone to Australia. I hope she comes back soon. Now, I'm laughing and joking and all that. But, but isn't, isn't that the way offenses work? In the grand scheme of life, we let the devil divide us and destroy relationships. Come on, that God brings together. And I'm not minimizing offenses. Listen, I have been hurt and remembered that hurt that happened five, six, seven, eight years ago, cutting my grass. Anybody ever done that? Yeah, yeah, it, because it just takes deeper and deeper and deeper root. It's like Bermuda grass. I mean, you can't pull it up. you got to kill it, and you have to stop offense before you become a Judas. Come on, tell your neighbor, we're preaching. he's preaching better than we're amening this morning. When you beca- and I get offended, we seek revenge, we withdraw. This is our natural responses. We attack, we explode, we file lawsuits. But here's the thing that concerns me the most. Gradually, our heart hardens and our spiritual life is affected. Our heart will harden through an offense because... And listen, I'm not minimizing and it hurts. Some of us have things done that are wrong to us that are very severe. Some of us went bankrupt because our partner stole from us. Listen, some of us were brutally raped as a child, and we can't have kids today. You don't laugh about that. Things that are done wrong. But I don't care how deep it is. You can either give it to God and be forgiven, or you can let a root of bitterness grow in your heart deeper and deeper that will just continue to grow out. The sweetest, godless person I ever knew in my life was my grandmother on my mom's side. My grandmother was this... I never heard her utter a, 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 an ugly word. She was, just, she was just a sweet and godly woman. But she was driven from her home. In the middle of the night, the, the, the Germans came in, took her husband by force, use barbed wire to chain him, throw him in a boxcar to take him off to Siberia. They, he, he, it was a miraculous story. But anyway, he gets back. They put everything they can fit in an, an, an a horse cart, and, and they take this across Europe. Two of her children are, are, are conscripted in the German army. She starts out in, 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 in New Orleans. Somebody covered the family as they, as they moved, sponsored the family, and she's working on a turkey farm. Now, why wasn't she bitter? Why didn't she start the national campaign? uh, Why didn't she do hashtag I hate Germans? Why Why didn't she do... Oh, how about this one? I hate white European people. She had a right to be. But sometimes this offense thing becomes the bait of Satan. Listen, Adam and Eve gave us the mess we're in. And Satan keeps it going with offenses. But my friends, you and I can put an end to it. Come on, as Christians, and no matter what's been done to us, we don't have to let it control us any longer. Come on, somebody give the Lord a good hand this morning. Give me about five more minutes here, and then I want to pray for the moms. But, But let's answer this question. I went deeply into this thing about offense, but in the first two minutes, you knew exactly what I was talking about because we all struggle with it. What am I supposed to do when, if I'm offended? Now, this is not a checklist. This is not an ABCD and you're totally free. But it's some biblical principles that if you will integrate in your life, you will control it and it won't control you. Here's the first one. You need to go to the person who offended you and try to make it right. You need to try to reconcile. Jesus said it this way, if your brother sins against you, go to your... No, post it on Facebook. (laughs) Nope. If your brother sends it, go to your brother. And then Jesus had the audacity to say this. If your brother is offended with you and has ought against you, you still go to them. So it doesn't matter who is messed up. Satan has got a wall between people that should be together. And the first step is somebody needs to stick their hand out and say, hey, I'm sorry. You don't have to say, I'm 100% responsible. But... Listen, I'm sorry that our relationship has been affected by what happened, and I want to take responsibility for what I did wrong. Would you forgive me? How powerful would that be? How powerful would that be? I'm telling you, friends, it's life-changing. And if you've done wrong, the Bible even teaches restitution. Now, here's the second thing. Forgive that person. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness, by definition, it means turn justice over to God. Now, wh- how many know when we are, one of the things we do when, when someone hurts us is we retaliate, we get angry, we get, we get in their face. How many get in your face, people? When you get offended, you're ready to fight, you'll talk to them just like that. Let me see your hand. A few. How many passive aggressives like me that I'm going to punish you another way? I'm going to quit calling, no cards from me, unfriending you on Facebook. I'm going to punish you that way. Let me see your hand. Okay. How many wouldn't raise your hand no matter what I said? All right, there you go. But we're going to hurt that person until we forgive them. And forgiveness simply means coming to God and saying, God, he hurt my feelings. No, really. But, Lord, I want to give him to you. It is not worth having somebody live in my head ten years later. And Satan will put it back up here, and every time he does, forgiveness says, giving it to God, giving it to God, and it will leave you. It's so important because Matthew 6, Jesus said, if you forgive those who sin against you, your Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive, your Father won't forgive you. You, my friend, will suffer. Here's the third one, and this is a big one. You may want to put your finger in your ears on this one. You ever had things in the Bible, the Bible says you would like to just cut out with scissors? A believer is going to court against another believer. The fact that you have lawsuits against each other shows you're already defeated. Why not let yourself be wrong? Why not let yourself be cheated? Who wants to hear that? I want my money. I want vengeance. I want justice. You got too quiet on that one. I'm going to try to leave you in a happy (laughs) thought here. Here's a better one. And this is, if you've turned me off, turn me back on for just a second. The best way I know to deal with offenses is acting like Jesus. Now, listen to what Jesus said in Luke 6 27. Now, here he says this about our enemies. So, how much more our brothers and sisters, people were committed to. Jesus said, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Can we read this together? Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who hurt you. Listen, do good. Bless them, pray for them. Let me tell you how this works. I had somebody that hurt my feelings. I get my feelings hurt most every day. I'm a real sensitive person. Just telling you, so please don't hurt my feelings, okay? But, but I got my feelings hurt. It, it was a church-related thing. And, of course, you know, typically when we don't get along in church, we don't reconcile. We just get mad and we go with somewhere else. That's typically what we do and the devil wins. But anyway, I'm sitting having a nice meal in this restaurant. And this person offended me, had the audacity to be seated right next to me. I asked the manager, did they know what they were doing, that this person doesn't even deserve to live, much less be sitting next to me? I didn't say that. Now, I could have felt it a little bit of it, but, but the, so there was a voice that I heard. I was hearing two voices. My first voice said, don't, don't say anything too loud because I'll hear you. And the second voice said, buy them lunch. Which one do you think was the Holy Spirit? That's exactly right. And don't tell them, I am the bigger Christian today. I will buy thy lunch. Just don't buy anything over $10, okay? And I'm I'm blessed. No. Just tell the waiter. and, And just tell the waiter. And don't tell them. I want to tell you, my friends, if you want to crush the spirit of offense, if you want to give Satan the boot out the door, you start doing good to people who have done evil to you. I cannot hate you if I pray for you. I have people still that... You go in the grocery store, and you turn down this aisle, and you look, oh, gosh, who's at the salsa aisle? And you back up, and you hope they don't see you. <laughs> if I pray for them, I cannot hate them. Right, I, I, I go by someone's house. no need business who it is, but I have to do it somewhat frequently. And, and they're still kind of tender. Every time I'm on the way at a stoplight, I say, I bless them today. And I pray that you would smile on them. That's the only way I can tell you how to get from, keep from getting a root of bitterness. Is to keep, deal with offenses and kick Satan out the door. Come on, give the Lord a big hand today. He is worthy of our praise. I want you to bow your heads a moment. I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to pray for our moms. And we've got a little gift we want to give them. But I just uh, I wonder today, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Just bow your head just a moment between you and, you and the Lord. What's he saying to you about this thing called offenses? Because I can virtually guarantee you that if you, that if you are, are, are having thoughts, if people were coming into your mind as I was talking today, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So what's the Holy Spirit saying? At a minimum, he's saying pray for them. At a minimum, he's saying bless them. At a minimum, he's saying do good if you have opportunity to do good. I wonder if it's time to extend a hand to someone and say, listen, I, whatever I did to mess our relationship up, I want to ask you to forgive me. And I simply want you to make an agreement with God right now that you're going to do this. Help us, Holy Spirit. Speak to us. And now, Lord, I want to pray that we have grace to do this. Would you just pray that for yourself right now? Because I'm asking you, I believe, on behalf of the Lord, to do something very difficult but very godly. Holy Spirit, would you give me grace? Would you show me the right way in the right time? Would you prepare hearts so there could be reconciliation? Because I know I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. And the Bible says that all men will know that I'm a disciple of Christ by the love I have for another person. I refuse to listen to the voice of offense any longer. I'm going to be a restorer and a healer. In Jesus' name. Let us close the service this way today. I, I, we'd like to have a special prayer blessing over all moms that are here today. Moms, grandmas, anybody raising kids, come on come on up right now. I'm going to pray for you, and we've got a gift we want to give you. You know, ladies, I know we're all across the board here. There, there's some of you moms that it, it, this is absolutely going to be a perfect day. Some of you have little kids or grandkids or you're raising a little kid, and that little baby's going to made breakfast this morning, and, 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 and there was a scratch on the door and a piece of burnt toast with jelly falling over the edge made its way towards your bed and it fell on the new little rug there but you didn't care and and it got on the sheets you just washed and you, listen I'm jealous of you if that's going on in your world those are pretty good times we don't our kids are grown for that some of you are like that some of you are going to be treated like a queen today some of you are not even going to get a card some of you are not even going to get a phone call some of us don't even know where our kids are we're all over the board but let me tell you this wherever we are in our life Our Heavenly Father, listen, He's there for you. If you're celebrating, you can rejoice in His presence. If you're hurting, you can bring your hurts to Him. Something I've learned this past year is my wife's battled breast cancer, and she's doing real good. She couldn't sleep. She'd get up most mornings, 3.30 or 4. I'm sleeping like a log till 6.30 or 7. She gets in there going pretty sad. But when she comes out, she's always a little stronger because she didn't go and watch television. She went in to seek God. She went in to pray and worship. Sometimes just let the worship just bathe over her. She'd go in there. That's where she started writing that blog that she's been writing, helping thousands of people. Sometimes there's only a place that you can go with God, but you'll always find Him when you go to Him. Don't don't let yourself get bummed out and discouraged and sad if you're not where you want to be. You make sure you get connected to your heavenly Father. And I'll tell you this. I'm going to close with this. There's one thing that your kids will always need all your life and that is your prayers. I know for a lot of us we look back at our parenting and we we listen to the voice of the accuser. We should have done this. My kid wouldn't have turned out this way if I'd have done that and blah, 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 blah. Can I tell you that's the voice of the accuser. He's trying to make you feel shame and guilt and beat up. Would you just make a decision that you're leaving that here today? If you have asked Christ for His forgiveness for the mistakes that all of us make. Listen, God made mistakes with Adam and Eve. Well. God didn't make mistakes. But you know what I'm talking about? His kids messed up. So can you leave that at the cross today on this Mother's Day and never listen to that voice again? But what you can do for the rest of your days for your kids is pray for them. The illusion that they're my children is just that. It's an illusion. We're raising God's kids for a little while. When they're an infant, you could hold them in your hand. But from the time they're born, you're getting ready to do this with that child. And then one day, all you can do is just pray and seek God. But listen, that's the most powerful thing you can do, is pray for your children every day of their life. I know mothers that have moved to Texarkana because their kids ended up in prison. I know moms that visit that kid every week when the preacher quits going. That's the mother's heart. Maybe that's your great project in life, is to pray your kids through to the place they need to be. Don't take the shame and guilt for their mistakes but receive the goodness from a good God. Come on. He's worthy of our praise. I just want to pray over you. Lift your hands towards these ladies. uh, Guys, and uh, ladies, I want you to just take somebody by the hand near you. And we just simply would ask that the God of heaven would smile on these dear women. We just ask you, Lord, that you would look down from heaven and smile on all our friends today. I pray that there would be great joy at some level in everyone's heart. I pray, Lord, that you would smile on help those that are hurting and lonely. But I just pray that the very presence of God will take away our sadness. I pray, Lord, that you would give us tenacity in the place of prayer. And I pray that you would forever close the accusation of the one who tells them they failed. I just bless them today. Let the Holy Spirit be near. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Give these girls one more big hand, guys. God bless you. We love you. We're glad you're here. We've got just a little gift here if you want to pick up on your way out. And like I said, some of those strawberries are in the front. God bless you. I love you. Thanks for coming today.